Today on The Tapping Show, Bud Light Longhorn tweet has a broken horn. Vivek on Trump right ideas goes viral. Trump nearly doubles the New Hampshire primary results compared to 2016. U.S. automakers to skip the Super Bowl for the first time in years. Mio's transmissions get some good wins in 2023 as we examine the vehicles with the top take rates. In-N-Out closes their first store in 75 years of business. And Ford recalled nearly 1.9 million Explorer SUVs because their trim pieces can just fly off. All of that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of January. So if you click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Utah's automakers to skip the Super Bowl for the first time in years. Now this as the automotive community continues to struggle with record high interest rates as well as having business ideas that are not profitable, aka for the big three, electric vehicles. They are pretty much all losing money on them. The only company really making money on EVs thus far is Tesla, which is interestingly enough the only successful American automotive company since Chrysler was founded all those years ago, which is a fun tidbit fact of the day. Now this comes to us thanks to the Detroit Free Press, specifically is a writer by the name of Eric Lawrence, and they note that specifically Stellantis, which Stellantis for the folks who do not know, Chrysler went bankrupt so bad in 2009 that they actually sold out to a European company called Fiat, and they, re- they reorganized the new name that they came up with was Stellantis, which sounds almost like a science fiction character or some type of a t- Italian boxer perhaps, but Nevertheless, that was the name they chose, and that is a conglomerate of many brands, to say the least. And Chrysler, being the U.S. head of that, that owns both Jeep, Ram, Dodge, and of course Stellantis owns also Fiat. They also have Maserati and many other European brands that I can barely pronounce. Now, it looks like they're all three closing, or will be skipping the Super Bowl. Let me see, when it comes to specific quotes, let me see here. Stellantis is continuing to try to cut cost. Representative, oh, let's see. Representative Diane Morgan said, quote, With a continued focus on preserving business fundamentals to mitigate the impact of a challenging U.S. automotive market, we are evaluating our business needs and will make the appropriate decision to protect our North American operations and the company. In light of this assessment, we will not be participating in the big game of the year, unquote. Now, it's one of those instances where Perhaps one of the most prolific automotive ads in history, I would have to say, comes from Dodge, which is aka Chrysler, which is aka Stellantis, when they had that commercial, Super Bowl commercial a couple years back called, you know, God Made a Farmer. It was one of the most viral moments, I think, in their company history. And fun business fact, I believe this is also, the advertisement was by the Richards Group, headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Now, it's one of those instances where I always debate, how, I mean, how, is it really worth it? It looks like last year Fox charged between six and seven million dollars for a 30 second advertisement spot for the Super Bowl, which if you look is actually decreasing in popularity with less and less people tuning in. And I mean, Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, also suggested that the huge cost of Super Bowl advertising is a poor use of spending, which some might think this belongs in the business blunder section of the, of the podcast, but I actually kind of think this is business brilliance because you can create a lot of allure and interest around a product with a Super Bowl ad, but I would debate, I would actually argue that the best Super Bowl product ad placements would be the ones that are very, have a more of a entry level price point, something like a Pepsi or Coca-Cola, something that is under $5. Because when you have these big automotive purchases, even when I was in the automotive community, I always asked people, can you really justify commercials on TV, yet alone the Super Bowl? There are millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And when, and let me know if you, th- I would love to hear, if you know anyone who has ever actually said, oh yeah, I purchased a car because I saw it in a sports balls commercial, which it is the large, second to only a house, the largest, most expensive thing most Americans will purchase in their lifetime. And they'll be paying it off for sometimes a decade, which is a concern for another time, perhaps. I just don't think there's any justification to pay for these very extra- expensive, extravagant Super Bowl commercials, with the exception of maybe if you're a new automotive company. But 
that industry is so cutthroat. There are very few startups. There are a couple in the EVs, but we're seeing them go bankrupt left and right. Most of the profitable automotive companies have been around for quite some time, and you already know the brands. And for instance, when I was looking for a car to purchase, when unfortunately I was in an accident, so I had to purchase a car, I basically had my categories. It had to be a stick shift, had to be reliable, ideally get good fuel economy with stuff on. I know that's a little bit of a contrarian statement, but I just had my criteria and I searched forums, uh, YouTube review videos, and I came across the 2018 Honda Civic Si, which only comes with a stick shift as all cars should have by default. And I would say it's the best of both worlds. There's something oddly satisfying about passing a $70,000 plus C8 Corvette on the track with my little car, which has happened a couple times. But nevertheless, this money can be much better used with either paying car reviewers, just having more grassroots advertising. And even then I debate, I mean, is it really a big deal? I mean, GM, they spent a lot of money, which may would say is some of the business ineptitudes of the CEO, Mary Barra, when they hired the old Austin Powers actor, Michael Myers for their EV commercial with the Super Bowl a couple years ago, where they talked about how General Motors is gonna go all in on EVs, which statistically right now is a business blunder brewing for the year. They're losing money left and right, and the consumer preference is shifting much more to hybrids. But again, it's, it is still shocking though, because I mean, again, GM did a whole thing with Netflix last year for the commercial. Just, they put a lot of money in these things, but I think it's one of those things where now that the times are tough, you, have, you can't borrow cash for free. It used to be many businesses would be able to fund a mirror out of the projects because the interest rates were basically zero for many, many years. Now that those chickens have come to roost, so to say, I think we're going to see a lot less of this extravagant spending where you cannot easily directly correlate the actual marketing spending to the actual results, which when you get to these certain big projects like a Super Bowl commercial, can be hard to quantify. But let me know, do you think this is actually a bad idea for them to skip the Super Bowl this year? As always, be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business news and good news to say at least, manual transmissions actually went up in 2023 and we're gonna review the top take rates, AKA spoiler alert, the BRZ took the crown. Now, this comes as more and more automotive companies have acquiesced to boring computerized transmissions with only two pedals. It's boring beyond all belief. Some might say a crime against the automotive community, but nevertheless, there are a couple of manufacturers still keeping the three pedals alive, and thankfully, consumers are still spending money on it. Granted, they need to spend a lot more to entice automotive manufacturers to make more of them, as well as, you know, write to your representatives and government so that the government stops banning them with de facto emissions bans. But nevertheless, there are a little bit of a silver lining, so to say, for this situation. Now we're gonna go over the top ones. Now, one of the top take rates comes from the Acura Integra Type R, oh, both the Type R and regular one. Now, it looks like the Type S. Now, granted, yes, it is a glorified Honda, still reliable, darn your bulletproof product. They note that the take rate for the Integra manual was 22%, which is pretty darn good. So of all the Integras they sold, 22% hit that. Now it looks like 32,090 Integras are sold in 2023, and specifically 7,060 of them had three pedals. Now, this is up to me, they'd all have it by default, but nevertheless, pretty good take rate. Now you have BMW, one of the highest take rates, the BMW M2, they came in at a 50% take rate, which is, it does make me smile. Because, again, it's a sports car, it's an enthusiast vehicle, that's what it's made for. It should be by default, you shouldn't even give, it should just be three pedals to begin. But, nevertheless, the M2 came in at a 50% take rate. Now, the BMW M3 and M4 came in, not great, but still came in moderately strong at a 20% take rate. AKA of all the M2s, or sorry, the M3 and the M4s that were sold, 20% of them had three pedals, which is pretty darn good. Now, going over to Cadillac, again... I'm not saying Mary Barr should be fired or reprimanded. Well, I guess I'm hinting at it quite strongly. One of the best vehicles I believe ever manufactured to date. If you want to buy a new vehicle, the Cadillac CT4 and the CT5V Blackwing. One of my buddies got the CT4 Blackwing with a stick shift, should be by default. And he let me drive it around. It's twin turbo, V6, huge brakes, huge. The whole thing is made for the track. It is one of the most brilliantly engineered designs to come out of Cadillac, I would say in decades. 
It is a blast to drive. The materials are all high quality. It is perhaps a pinnacle of General Motors engineering. Now, the downside is Mary Barrow said, oh yeah, we're going to make Cadillac full EV by 2030. So, disappointing to say the least, obviously. Now, the good news is, and again, I'm not sure if she can't read. You know, some might debate she cannot. She doesn't have the acumen to read. It might be a joke. But, again, this is a huge sign of why she keep this stick shift alive and Cadillac alive in that regard. The CT4 Blackwing and the CT5V Blackwing came in at a 50% take rate for the manual transmission. Half of all those vehicles had a stick shift, which is beautiful. It's one of those things where a lot of people forget how exciting Cadillac used to be as a brand. I mean, a lot of they, a lot of people have that image of them just being a overpriced General Motors or overpriced Chevrolet product because some of them do carry the same chassis and the same components. But I mean, in this case, they just knock it out of the park. They show you that. I mean, Cadillac used to be at the breaking edge of engineering. I mean, it used to be an enthusiast. It's incredible. And they even had this the Blackwing package where they actually have it actually engineered for the track. You actually will record your track data, send it off to a actual expert driver to analyze how you're driving and give you feedback on how to improve your driving skills. And they even have these packages where they'll replace every, it's a ridiculously good warranty too. I was gonna say, GM should give me a, a dollar or two for this ridiculous pontification of my excitement for the product. But nevertheless, I actually have no affiliation, not paid by General Motors at all. And at nearly a 50% take rate. Now, this is also Cadillac's last manual transmissions car as a brand. Again, they're shifting to EV only, which pun my really intended saying they're shifting to that. It will be a money shift, to say the least. Which, if you're not a gearhead or automotive enthusiast, a money shift is when you shift so badly, you basically break the transmission and it costs you a lot of money. So it's not a good thing, to say the least. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it looks like the Cadillac is the only GM brand to offer the main transmission as well. Which is insane, because they killed the Camaro. Again, I don't know what Mary Barr is thinking. The Camaro is going to come back allegedly as a two-door EV SUV. And the Corvette, the C8, of course, is only automatic, which they'll also have an EV as well. So yeah, this is the. It is sad how far GM has fallen, and under her leadership, the stock has gone down about ten percent over the past ten years as she's been the CEO for ten years. Most people would say that's terrible. I mean, I would. Now, other good news. Now, in terms of other things that had manual transmission in two thousand twenty-three, the Camaro. Now, unfortunately, GM. I don't know if this perhaps above their pay grade. They can't track this data. Kidding, kind of, but. They noted that the Camaro sales for last year was double the prior year. And many of them had the good old three pedals. The last one ever made actually did come with the manual transmission as they all should by default. And it is sad to see that pony car going away. Now we don't give the statistics on how many of them sold, but again, that was an option last year. Same thing with the Dodge Challenger. They noted that they did sell 44,960 units last year, but they didn't break down the manual transmission. I, I suspect it would be a pretty high percentage because of it being the last year as an option as again Dodge is acquiesced to going with a electric version as well as a straight six which from the ground up if you're a straight six like something like a BMW where that's a big part of your legacy you perfected it and that's what the fans and consumers and enthusiasts expect okay but if your little brand is big old V8 Hemis I mean that's just sad to say the least now other contenders come in the winner of the Pony Wars I would say is the Ford Mustang now, they also noted that Ford has the Bronco, the SUV with a manual transmission as another option. Unfortunately, Ford did not give us the specifics for the Bronco take rate. Now, they did note as of July, 20, July 27% of sold orders for the new Mustang or the Mustang last year was it with a stick shift. So that's pretty darn good. And the only pony left with a good old V8 and a stick shift. Needless to say, Ford is also the only automotive company of the big three, you know, Ford, General Motors and Chrysler that never killed the actual pony car. The Camaro and the Challenger, throughout the years, they did cancel it and bring it back. So, uh, even though I think the Camaro is a little bit more fun to drive, and I always like the aesthetics of the looks a little bit more, at the end of the day, I truly believe, I mean, the Mustang did win the Pony War. Going on to good old Honda, looks like one of their cars with the highest take rate was the good old Honda Civic, which came in at 7%. Now that also does include the good old Honda Civic SI, which only comes with a with a rather a stick shift, aka three pedals and manual transmission, which I highly respect Honda for doing that. Very few companies truly have that type of enthusiasm around a particular brand and particular trim level. 
it's few and far in between where you have that type of exclusivity. There are only a couple models that have done that throughout my lifetime, and truth be told, many of them are no longer around. So it looks like specifically Honda sold over 200,000 Civics last year. Jeez Louise, that is quite a few to say the least. So even 7% is still pretty darn good. And again, the Honda Civic Si as well as the Type R only come with the good old stick shift. It is a quite disappointing that all the dealerships are not, many of the dealerships are doing a $10,000, $20,000 over MSRP for the Type R, which now prices you into ridiculous, a different category of vehicle if you have that type of money in the bank account, so to say, or you want to take out that type of a loan. So good old Honda keeping the stick shift alive. Another surprise comes from Hyundai, which the Hyundai Elantra N, the annual the manual take was 25%, which is really good. And I think it's a good advertising for the product just because Hyundai and Kia, same company, they've come they've come light years since I was a kid. They used to be a joke. Now, thanks to German engineering, aka they had some German executives go over to that company from all the German automobile companies throughout the years, they've increased the value of the product and the actual quality of the product tenfold or even more. So to see they've good old stick shift option, and this is one of their best vehicles, I would also argue as well. That's a pretty good take rate. Now, you also have the good old Jeep, which does come with the stick shift option, although they didn't give us that data, unfortunately. The Kia Forte manual take, I even know that was an option, to be honest, but that did come in around 2%, so not too great, but still nice. Now, I was actually a little disappointed by this next one. Now, one of the most iconic vehicles when it comes to track and automobile enthusiasts, as well as being the butt of many jokes, is the Mazda Miata. I, it's one of those things where the, hot, the low horsepower, it just makes it seem like a toy if you don't go to the track or if you're not a gearhead. Truth be told, not half, but a good percentage of my jokes as a child were around the Mazda Miata and how much better the Corvette was at the time. But go to the track for the first time, there are whole categories of people, there's whole spec groups for the Miata, and they do have unparalleled support from the factory for older models providing support with not only just you know research development, but you also have the parts that are easily replaced as well as whole communities that have been built around it. So that being said, I thought this would be the highest take rate actually for a manual transmission, because that's how the vehicle is not made for zero to 60 time, it's not made for you know, top speed time, it's made for the art of driving, the actual enthusiasm of the experience. And yet it came in, but the Miata Miata MX-5, it came in at only 60%, which for any other vehicle I would say is astronomically great, but for what, I see as one of the best options for a true enthusiast driving on a track where you're not going for the time, you're going to have, you're not breaking records for, you're going to have fun. And it only came in at 60%. I thought it would be a little bit higher. Now, Mazda also noted that they only offer two manual transmissions at the moment. It looks like the two options are the Miata as well as the three, the Mazda 3 hatchback. So, interesting enough, that's, again, it's still great for the industry. But I was a little disappointed for that specific model. I thought it'd be a little bit higher. You also have the Mini Cooper, which came in at around 22%. Now, rest in peace, they're killing that vehicle to make an EV, which obviously means they'll have two pedals or no pedals at all, because an EV can just be a computer on wheels that just drives you everywhere. Woohoo. Said like 18 people, but nevertheless. They also know that the John Works two door manual or two door Mini Cooper came in at 51%, which that's pretty good. Now, you do have Nissan. They have the two options. They have the Versa as well as the Z or the 400Z. Now, granted, they didn't even provide the data. And one of the disappointing things about the Nissan Z, the most top one, the, the Nismo, which is the one that's supposed to be for the track, is extra, not just styling, but a couple extra things. You got improved brakes, and a couple things to improve the handling. That's automatic only. So the thing they designed for the track was automatic only. That's pretty disappointing as well. Now, good old Porsche, they are one of the, yeah, I would, you could argue actually the last true high-level sports car that still is dedicated to the three pedals, the manual transmission, as other, every other exotic car has shifted, pun moderately intended, to the acquiesce to boring, you know, electric or automatic transmissions. All the greats that we used to know and love as a, growing up, they've all acquiesced for years to the automatic transmission. Ferraris? Nope. Automatic only. Lamborghini, automatic only. It's one of those, two of the most iconic brands in particular, just completely gone. The Chevrolet Corvette, no, automatic only. They've all acquiesced to it. Now, Porsche directly attributes to keeping the six year for live to North America because of the overwhelming consumer demand for having that three pedal. So if you bought a new Porsche, 
kudos to you because you're actually helping send that message to Germany that they should keep making this for the automotive community. Now, it looks like the 718 and the 911 manual take rate, um, both models that offer the manual, came in at 40%, which is not terrible. Now, when you break it down, actually, the split was generally a 40% manual and 60% dual clutch on the 718 and 911. Spokesperson doubts that they have changed too much or will change too much in the future. And you do have a couple models where it is automatic only, unfortunately. But still good news if you want a high-end top, if you want a high-end option for a sports car and you want it three pedals, I mean, Porsche kind of has Monopoly on it, which, again, from a business acumen, is also brilliant because they're capturing those people who want that experience and they want to spend a little bit more. And, of course, there are a few vehicles you could customize more than a Porsche from the factory. You could probably get a dictionary full or a thesaurus full of options with all line items. So you can have whatever you like, including, I think it's the, I forget the German word for it, but the custom paint jobs, like $35,000, if you wanna have like a specific paint to sample for you to have alone. And the custom colors alone, I think even those like $15,000, which worth more than my Honda just for the paint, but still pretty cool and unique. Now, going down, you also have, let me see here. We're actually going to skip to the very top. The top one comes via Subaru, which we can debate is also Toyota. Now, that's thanks to the BRZ, also known as, you know, BRZ, but also as the Toyota 86 because it is manufactured as a, it is a product of a joint venture partnership between the companies. Now, the BRZ, the manual take rate is actually up to 79%, which is insanely good. They, they won, bar none. Now, the disappointing thing is if, if you want zero to 60 time, you're not gonna have it. I've driven a couple of these and they are a lot of fun, especially in the corners and you're downshifting. It's hard to beat that feeling, but it is disappointing they don't have a turbo from the factory. Now, thankfully, there's a huge aftermarket community to help you out in that regard, of course. And it's still pretty impressive. Now, the BRC, again, that came in at 79%. Now, you also have the Subaru WRX, that manual, manual take rate came in at 74%. Which is even more impressive when you consider they've actually neutered that vehicle by not actually having an option for the top trim level, which is the STI, which that is perhaps one of the best things Subaru's ever made that I can think of. They also noted that the Impreza and Crosstrek did offer a manual still. That take rate is only 1.6%. Again, this is not financial advice, but if you want a car that's like a funny oddity to have in the future, I can't help but think Doug DeMero is going to review that car and bring a trailer in like 20 years and be like, this is the Impreza Crosstrek and the Crosstrek. And it has three pedals and, you know, his voice is infinitely better than mine. But talk about an oddity. Only 1.6% of them are actually stick. You also have the Toyota Supra as well as the Toyota GR86. Now, interesting enough, the GR86, exact same thing as the BR, Subaru BRZ with different accoutrements, logos, badges, and a little bit of styling. The GR86 only came in at 48%. So I don't know if that's a issue with the advertising of Toyota or that is astronomical. Basically the same vehicle, but again, I, you know, I guess it goes also back to advertising, different consumer preferences. But interesting enough, yeah, that came in at only 48%. Now the GR Supra, that came in at 43%, which that's pretty good. Of course, you know me, I think every Supra by default should have a stick shift. Now they also know that the Toyota Tacoma, the only truck in North America, you can get with a stick shift is the Toyota Tacoma. The Gladiator does not count. And that did come in at 1.4%. And it's also a shame that more trucks or any trucks have that option. You'd also have Volkswagen. The Golf GTI manual came in at a take rate of 50%. The Golf R manual came in at 40%. The Jetta GL manual came in at 40%. Then you also had the Jetta S Sport manual come in at 5%. Now, the sad thing about Volkswagen in, 2000, in the upcoming model year, which again, calendar year is different than model year, they know that the 2025 GTI, they're gonna kill the stick shift because of European emissions. Yeah, you could have all the coal factories in the planet if you want for China, but heaven forbid you actually have some fun driving a car in Germany. But nevertheless, politics aside, that'll be later in the show. That's why they're killing that product. So those are all the top take rates and Needless to say, Subaru came in at the top, astonishingly enough, with a good old BRZ. Out of curiosity, of all the vehicles we mentioned, which one would you want to have the best or the most? The caveat is you can't sell it. So you can have anything we talked about today, but what would you want? As always, be fascinating to hear what you have to say.
Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light Longhorn tweet as a little bit of a broken horn. Now, this comes as Bud Light attempts to revitalize their brand, capture some of the old customers. Well, it's a certainly an uphill battle and an interesting challenge, to say the least. Now, this is from their ex-Twitter profile, and they have a little text before this little picture of... A hand, yeah, I guess it's a... I'm going to guess. They don't, they don't tell us, so I'm going to guess it's a man's hand holding a Bud Light bottle with the Longhorns logo on it. And they say, we meet what we mean by, quote, horns up, unquote. And interestingly enough, the Bud Light aluminum bottle is not their signature blue. It is the Texas Longhorns color, which, good for the school to make some easy money. They just throw a logo on there. It's a good licensing agreement deal. And they are in Austin, so I suspect it actually won't have any negative impact on, like, the local sales in that regard. And, yeah, it looks like, let me look here. Took down these statistics 24 hours after it was posted. Got some of the top views of the year. Actually, very well might be the top view of the year for Bud Light, specifically on X Twitter. It got 189,800 views, which is ridiculously good. That's phenomenal for Bud Light. What's hilarious is the number of people who liked it, or alleged people. They might be bots or former employees, or I don't know who would like Bud Light. But nevertheless, they had 120 people like it, which is nearly impossibly bad not to brag but on my video you know earlier this week i got a video one of my specific youtube videos got seven likes now granted it's all about for me it's all about quality over quantity the opposite of how they make bud light with their formula they're the best seven folks of all time so if you click that button for this video i would especially appreciate it now again we're gonna do a little bit of fun math here today because unfortunately public schools in the united states they don't teach darn near anything in a lot of cases or horrific things to say the least but top for another time so we're going to do, turn this into a percentage. 120 people liked it out of 189,800. So let's go pull up the good old calculator here. Do 120 divided by 189,800. Gives us, well, this is a fun number, 6.32e to the negative 4, a.k.a. a very, very small number. Now, we're going to do a little bit of fun school here today. We're going to turn that into a percentage. So we're going to multiply that by 100. So good old multiplication button times 100. That gives us a percentage of 0.06322. Or if you feel so inclined, we can round up or round to 0.06. So 0.06% of people who saw this liked it, which is ridiculously low. It would have been moderately hilarious if it was 0.08, which is the legal standard for being inebriated in the United States. But no, they couldn't even get that pun right. But nevertheless, again, 0.06% of people who saw it liked it. And I guess it's a sports balls tweet. So you got some people who would like it because it has to do with sports. People like the pigskin. And yeah, I, again, it's just a blurred background. So you're assuming they're at a sports balls game, but it almost looks like a concert because it's all blurred purple lights. But it's not really inspiring a person to buy a product. I mean... I already know they have collegiate deals or branding and licensing deals, which, again, it's a great opportunity for other people because they just get paid money just to basically rent out their logo, so to say. So, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some fans are so overwhelmed. So they saw this picture on the X Twitter. They printed it. They put it in front of the town square. The whole town came together. They stared at it for hours in awe. And they, a little tear came down because they were so excited. They went out and they bought Bud Light. Now, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying the odds are probably 0.00000000237. Probably. But let's go in the comment section and find out. Someone by the name of Dukeness got five likes for posting a picture of some type of bobcat on a Bud Light bottle at some type of game with people in yellow and black. Which, I don't know if that's a collegiate game. I just know it's not the Iowa Hawkeyes, so epic fail. They're using our colors. But nevertheless, is that a Panther? Go to Dukeness profile. He has 108, or sorry, 808 followers. Joined in 2008, so they've been around for some time. And looking at the post, this person likes cats. Likes vintage Sports Illustrated. Who do they keep cheering for? Mizzo. It sounds like a Sounds like something the youth might say, like you're missing out on something. Or maybe Lizzo went on a diet, so she's Mizzo. 
but he's a fan of the Tigers, apparently. Though not Tony the Tiger, incidentally enough. But nevertheless, this does look like a real profile. And they did get five likes. That, that to me, is the most surprising. And Bud Light actually responded to this. So they have a modicum of intelligence. They actually started to interact with people who support the brand. Now, Bud Light responded saying, M-I-Z. Is? I could only guess they're trying to spell Missouri or something else. And someone did like that. That got one like. Greg L. Sims responded with a really messed up looking bird on a Bud Light bottle. With KU on the bird. That got 10 likes. And Bud Light responded saying, quote, hard to do better than Jay Hawks. I don't know how many people name birds. Like a Jay? Jay? Yeah, I guess. That got 13 likes. We have not seen this many likes that are supportive of Bud Light for probably a year. Which, I guess, shows you the power of sports balls. And how much people love their college and that brand's. So maybe they're all positive. Maybe. No, spoiler alert, they're not. Now they're, as we scroll down, now we get to the ones that are having many likes. Now I believe this is the most liked comment of all for this particular X Twitter thread, or post, whatever you call it these days. It comes from Connor. Now Connor says, quote, in shock, again, quote, in shocking news, gayest company ever supports the Longhorns, unquote. They got 205 likes. Now, granted, that might be not be a pejorative statement because their headquarters, or not headquarters, but the college is in Austin, and Austin has a lot of that community. So I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing for Bud Light. We're going to say it's bad. Paul in us says, quote, That does it. I've been a fan since 1964 and a season ticket holder since 1991. I just threw my Vince Young jersey into the fireplace and i've never felt as low as i do now my wife is angry and the kids are and the kids are crying i'm taking my money and fanhood to tcu unquote that got 14 likes and i can't hope it's true because it is so hilarious i maybe we're gonna we're gonna believe it's true i i can't imagine some being so viscerally annoyed with bud light i mean or angry with them that they destroy their own personal property I, again i don't think people ever no i, just, I don't know People get pretty raw and emotional, I suppose, but that is hilarious to get out of that upset. Husker, well, let's, let's see here. Oh, come on. Sometimes tuck screens are the best thing in the world. Sometimes they just don't like to work. So another top comment comes from Husker Buzz, and they say, quote, you seriously thought this was a good tweet after seeing Barstool UT's tweet, huh? Unquote. Got 27 likes. Count Luke Tombly Von Jolly? Interesting name. He comes in saying, quote, wow, UT just came out of the closet, unquote, getting 38 likes. Mr. Football, which, A plus for marketing, not only does this person have a football emoji in their name, but they also have a profile picture of a old school football player. You know exactly what they're all about. Now, he says, ha ha ha, and he has a sales chart showing percentage, same week compared to 2022, compared to 2023 sales after the Dill Mulvaney incident where Bud Light decided to pay Dylan Mulvaney $185,000 for basically two pictures and a video of Dylan celebrating Dylan's 365 day of womanhood with a special can with Dylan's face on it. I have to keep using the name in terms of YouTube likes to get rid of videos if you don't use certain pronouns. 1984 truly, truly has become reality, unfortunately. Nevertheless, that flow chart that shows the sales dropping a lot got nine likes. LJ Porras says, quote, I see a Texas Tech guns up, so thanks Bud Light and wreck them. They got 12 likes. Jake says, on brand, and it's... What? I don't know if this is someone who hijacked a profile or it's a Photoshop, but it's Texas Football is the profile name. And it looks like one of the players is being very much happy, or I guess you would say gay. They got 38 likes. Let's see here. Woody Sports says, quote, the L in LGBTQ stands for Longhorns. Of course, they support them. And it's a GIF, or as you might say, a GIF of a, what is this? A garden gnome throwing up a rainbow. I got 24 likes for that GIF. Will Langan says, quote, looks like guns up to me. Unquote, getting 13 likes. Kent Hans says, quote, oh no. Unquote, just got 12 likes. The smoothest toad 
says, quote, you could not time this tweet worse if you tried. I'll check back on this, unquote. Getting 17 likes. Yeah, here we go. Profile says, quote, the Texas Longhorns down bad. And is a picture of Dylan Mulvaney with, dressed up as Audrey Hepburn, holding a Bud Light can, wearing, I don't know, elbow high gloves, dressed up as Audrey Hepburn, and having a smile as awkward as Ron DeSantis or me, debatably. The smile is only the awkward, same as me or worse awkward, you can decide. That got 33 likes. Let's see here. Peacemaker 316 says, quote, I'm here for the marketing fails 101. This is such material. There's so much material in this class. It is hard to believe. I'm quote, getting eight likes. It's whimmed, says, quote, fixed it. And they just changed the orientation of the photo. So the Longhorns are down. They got nine likes. Let's see here. And then a lot of things between zero and one likes all making fun of Bud Light. And then a couple of them actually praising and cheering on the Texas Longhorns. A lot more of the GIF of the Garden Gnome throwing up. This is weird. They censored this, so I had to click the super secret button. Julia Broadix has a GIF that simply says that wasn't an apology, and I got one like. Not sure that's called it to be censored. Let's see here. Michael Denton says, quote, This picture is about as gay as the Bud Light spokeswoman, man, whatever she wants to be called, unquote, getting four likes. Let's see here. So, let me see, go to the very top, see. They do. So, if you go to the very top of the post, they also have a super secret button for the ones that they censor. One of them is from Ingenious Firebrand saying, quote, what, what we mean by horned up. And it's a picture of Dill Mulvaney, again, dressed up as Audrey Hepburn, about to open a can of Bud Liking. 16 likes. The awkward, actually, the, the smile is actually not as awkward as before, interestingly enough. Mason Bradford said, quote, those horns going to be down if you don't get back to the table. It's a picture of the union, the Bud Light Teamsters. And they say no contract, no beer, which I don't know if that's a much of a threat these days considering their sales. It seems it would be the most hilarious time to boycott Bud Light if you're a union member there. Because, again, they don't need you as much as previous years when they had peak demand. They're pumping out more products than they could possibly fathom. The sales for the Bud Light specifically, that brand is down about 30%. So... I don't know. The negotiating power is going down a little bit. Yeah, Pete Ness saying, quote, oh, it's up all right. And it's a picture of the morally depravable U.S. Was it a senator or congressman? U.S. government official being, trying to keep this moderately kid-friendly or moderately not crass, is they're being uh, serviced naked in the in the government building and they're holding a Bud Light bottle. They got three likes. Pete Ness said, quote, replying to Bud Light. And... He has a picture of the Bud Light Pride bottle, which is the aluminum bottle with the Pride colors on it. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says the number one choice for not manual transmissions and the F word. I got three likes. Yo, why Mao says, quote, F at hashtag beer. Disgusting, unquote, getting two likes. And those are the final censored responses. So interestingly enough, they did get a couple positive responses, which I think really doesn't show you the the increase of the perception of Bud Light as a brand, but really just goes to show you how much people love sports balls. I mean, especially coll collegiate sports. I mean, people fought, there's a nostalgia. You went to school there. It's a huge multi-billion dollar industry. And allegedly, they learned a few things there as well. So I think, I mean, that's a real winner is just those colleges, but... I guess they did buy, they taking pictures of themselves holding the product, they did buy that product at one point. But again, they are still ridiculously roasted, even if this is one of the few times where they got a few, they actually got comments that got more than one like, which perhaps is, actually no, it is the best they've done this calendar year. Well, did they do any better? As I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have In-N-Out Burger to close their forced store ever. In the 75 years they've been in business due to, spoiler alert, crime in California. Now this comes to us thanks to Madeline Helbert over at the BBC. And they note that there's a concern of crime in Oakland. Which, who would have thought it? Let me see here. And they note that the store will be closing on the 29th of March. Now, in terms of the statement from the company, which they, 
again, they're a huge, they're a huge company, thousand main locations. They are very politically correct in their statements. I'll translate for you. They say, quote, despite taking repeated steps to create safer conditions, our customers and associates are regularly victimized by car break-ins, property damage, theft, and armed robberies, unquote. I will translate. The culture of this area is morally depravably, mentally vacuous, some might say, and you're hurting ourselves, our customers, and our brand. We are leaving. There's no incentive for us to stay. We're losing money. That's the reality of the situation. It has everything to do with losing money and just the safety of everyone. Because, again, not just from a moral concern, you want your employees and your customers to be safe, but also we live in an extremely litigious society. They could face lawsuits if they're not properly protecting their employees and providing a safe work environment. There's really not an upside or incentive to keep it open, which is why you've seen even companies as large as Walmart that could fiscally withstand a loss of a store. Even they are closing their stores in neighborhoods where they're getting robbed. There's a couple of locations in Chicago or suburbs of Chicago, all the same county, in which Walmart hadn't made a profit in 17 years. It's that bad, the crime. Now, they, in terms of statistics, they know that violent crimes increased by 18% from 2019 to 2022, according to the data from the police department. Robberies rose by 37% and burglaries by 24% in 2023, according to the data reviewed by KPIX, a local affiliate of BBC's U.S. partner, CBS News. Now, this says less and less people are actually calling in crime because... Again, they see the district attorneys in California and they just don't prosecute crime. They famously decided to make it no longer a felony to steal, basically. So, and again, you get what you vote for. Culturally speaking, they voted for this. They wanted it. So, if you used to be back in the day, and I say back in the day, you know, 24, 36 months ago, if you stole an item over a certain dollar amount, you'd be prosecuted. It'd be a felony in California. Now they changed the law so that if it's under $950 of value, well, now it's a misdemeanor, which, again, the way the public justice system works in the United States, it's a very big volume business. They don't want to take the time, energy, and resources to take it to an actual court to be litigated, so they do a lot with plea agreements. So they would give you a lesser offense to give you an incentive to plea right then and there. So instead of pleading it down from a felony, they're pleading it down from a misdemeanor into something lesser. And in some cases, they aren't even prosecuting them at all. So they've very much building their own culture in Oakland. And again, this restaurant just said, you know what, we just can't take it. Now, they noted that several other, let's see here, even though the whole US murder rate, so in the country, the murder rate went down by 10% last year, and violent crime also dropped down dramatically, according to the FBI, but not Oakland. Who would have thought? So again, culturally speaking, the crime is getting out of control, and yet, I don't see anything changing anytime soon. And this will get worse and worse as more and more businesses, especially right now, a lot of hard times for a lot of companies and a lot of people, they can't afford to have these operations anymore where they're losing money. It used to be back in the day, they would accept a certain amount of slippage if you're a store or a retailer, you're having some products being stolen. They could absorb a certain amount of losses because overall they're still making a profit. Everyone's tightening their, their belts these days. They just can't take it anymore. And culturally speaking, I do hope things turn around or there's some type of grassroots initiative to clean up the city or, I mean, a lot of people say, I mean, there's a, a lot of people are debating the loss of religion being a contributing factor, a lot of faith goers going down. Culturally speaking, there's also a lot of people that are just not in touch with their local community. Obviously, it's a complex situation with many variables, but at the end of the day, the out, outcome has been increased crime, increased theft, increased property damage. And these businesses, especially in California, they just can't take it more. So a lot of them are just leaving off completely. Now, again, this is just one location, but it is interesting. This company has been around for almost a hundred years. And yet this is the first time they have to close down a site and it's because of the cultural decay of Oakland. So obviously there's some myriad of incentives for the, I do hope things get better because the benefits would be numerous, not just, you know, fiscally for businesses and people, but culturally it'd be a huge turnaround and I think, you know, it's desperately needed. Unfortunately, I don't see, excuse me, I don't very much see a cultural roadmap or I don't see a lot of people trying to get it moving in that direction. I see a lot of people and businesses leaving because just what's being done on local level. So I almost say this is the business blunder of the day, but it's not. It's the right thing for the business to do. It's the safest thing for the employees as well as their prospective clients. And it'll be interesting to see if there's type of a cultural shift where maybe, you know, 
things to, to start to turn around or it just continues down the good old slippery slope, which is no longer really a theory. It's just, I would say it's more of a fact. Let me know in the comments, are you surprised things are getting worse in Oakland? Do you, do you think any businesses, will any business go there to open up a store to try to replace this because they think there's there's a gap in the market for a new fast food place there? I mean, I wouldn't put any money on it, but as always, it'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, of course, earlier this week, crushed it, as youth might say, in New Hampshire for the caucus primary, and Nikki Haley came in second place. Now, interesting enough, that's old news. It's been around for a while. I want to talk a little bit about the statistics around this. Now, this came to us thanks to, specifically, clandestine, and appropriately enough, their profile picture is, in fact, of a mysterious, like an old-timey detective from the 1940s, and... They noted that they have a couple quotes here, but I want to focus on the actual pictures that they posted. Let me see here. Now, the pictures compared to 2016, which, geez Louise, how time has flown. Now, back in 2016, Donald Trump got 100,406 votes, which captured 35.3% of the votes cast. Now, they also noted that John Kasich came in at 44,909 votes, 15.8%. Ted Cruz came in at 33,189 votes, making up 11.7%. Jeb Bush came in at 31,310 votes, getting 11%. Marco Rubio came in at 30,032, which made up 10.6%. Chris Christie came in at 21,069 votes, making up 7.4%. And all others came in at 23,205 votes, making up the rest of the 8.2%. Now... It is fascinating to see, oh yeah, Chris Christie's still at the bottom after all these years. I don't remember what happened to Jeb Bush. I remember he liked turtles. And he carried a turtle in his pocket. That, Again, the Bush family is famous beyond all belief in terms of the historical success of them in politics. But what do you remember about Jeb Bush besides the, the weird fact that he carried a toy turtle in his pocket? I remember there's some special meaning behind it. There's a story behind it. But I remember, I just remember he was soft-spoken and he carried a turtle. That's the memorable things about Jeb Bush. Let me know what you think of when you think of Jeb Bush in the comments. And again, that is still astronomically impressive considering Trump probably had no political success, and yet he doubled, more than doubled the person in second place. Now, granted, that's 2016. Now, fast forwarding a couple years, Trump came in at 172,479 votes. It could also come in at, again, this is reporting at, that was statistically from 95% of the votes being in. That came in at 54.4%, getting 12 delegates. Nikki Haley came in at 137,403 votes, getting 43.3%. Ron DeSantis, who I'm not sure if New Hampshire just didn't get the update or they didn't read, or the, you know, news, I guess newspapers are pretty much gone. They didn't go on to X Twitter, more accurately, probably, but they still voted for DeSantis, even though DeSantis had dropped off earlier, but nevertheless, DeSantis got 2,303 votes, making up a percentage of 0.7%, which is astronomical how much he increased. And it's not just that there's consolidation of the votes. Again, there were more options in New Hampshire in 2016, but the overall number of votes increased as well. So again, the first time, 2016, a total of 284,120 votes were casted. And fast-forwarding to 2024, 317,276 votes were cast, which again, I think one of the biggest upsides to the Trump campaign, one of his biggest assets is the brand loyalty and the political loyalty he's built around him over the years. There, I can't help but think, and again, it's fascinating, look at Biden forums on Facebook, look at Trump forums on Facebook. I always tell people, gather as many perspectives as possible, and it, often they'll be fascinated and somewhat amused at how you have the same situation perceived so differently by different groups, etc. And the amount of loyalty, it, you hear, again, I've met people who they like Biden, they like the administration, and they will vote for him. But the enthusiasm around Trump, I've heard people, and they told me they would walk through broken glass to vote for Trump. That's unparalleled loyalty. I, I haven't seen that much brand recognition I mean, ever. And I've been, in terms of a, even if you want to treat this as a product or a politician versus a business or, it's astronomical loyalty. 
And I think that's going to be his biggest asset as he continues to ramp up for the 2020, for the upcoming election. I mean, he has that type of loyalty. Now, the big issue is how does he gain voters from the middle of the political aisle and increase the voters that he had lost going from 2016 to 2020? He, the number of people who voted, I specifically believe it was the at home, uh, the, what do you call it? There are two groups that in particular he lost in terms of lower, there was a lower percentage of people from those groups that voted for him in 2020 compared to 2016. In particular, it was the moms at home and the single ladies. I, there's a lot of speculation, maybe he'll pick a female VP because some people might pick someone, hey, the candidate's the same gender as me. Personally, I don't, I think that is true, but I don't think that percentage of people who is true is large enough to make a big impact on the overall election. I think most people will pick the best candidate regardless of their you know age, gender, or how, how they look like them or don't look like them. I really think it's the emotion, it's really the policies that the place, the historics of their track record, and what is, do they really believe in this person? So let me know in the comments. I was pretty astonished that the actual overall number of votes had increased. And again, that was a huge increase in terms of percentage as well. I mean, 35.3% up to 54.4%. He's astronomically successful, especially when you consider Nikki Haley has, she's increasing her resources exponentially. A lot of people who had been donating to the Ron Sanders campaign have been shifting over to Nikki Haley. And she has the endorsements of some of the most powerful business leaders on the planet, including Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And he specifically was saying, as many businesses do, kind of to hedge your bets in terms of she has a lot of policies that are more democratic. And he was saying, if you like Biden, I mean, this is another good option. So what was it, a little gambling technique? If you place, bet, place money on both sides of the equation, you will always win, so to say. So I think there are a lot of people also in this primary is coming out there, a lot of Democratic voters who actually changed parties and voted for her in the primary. So it'll be interesting to see how it kind of winds up at the end of the day. But it's fascinating to see Trump just ever exponentially increasing in popularity as we go through these primaries. And even with the increased resources at the Nikki Haley campaign, with the additional funds that they're getting, they're getting endorsements as well. Again, this is a gambling or financial advice, but if I were to place a bet on it, I still think Trump's going to come out ahead, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have Trump and Vivek. Now, you have Vivek giving kudos to Trump on ex-Twitter for taking Vivek's advice and actually bringing up some interesting political policies. Now, thankfully, this is only about 32 seconds long, so not too long. And this is from Vivek's personal ex-Twitter profile. And again, statistically speaking, it's fascinating. He has the best traction or the greatest amount of views and likes on X Twitter as we followed all the Republican nominees throughout the past year. I mean, Chris Christie allegedly had a couple family friends and maybe a campaign manager, allegedly, who would follow him on X Twitter. Nikki Haley has a couple hundred thousand people who will respond and view things. But in DeSantis, even DeSantis, he had, he had, DeSantis had more followers on X Twitter, and yet two to three or four times more people consistently would tune in and look and comment and like on Vivek's post. So I thought that was interesting. And Vivek is actually one of the people people actually believes in Twitter. He's paying for like, I think it's the business premium, where it's $1,000 a month, and you do get your cool logo on your uh, ex-Twitter handle. But none of the other Republican candidates are doing that. Which, if you truly believe in freedom, I would say, why the hell not? Of all the ways you could advertise, of all the companies that believe in freedom of speech, X with Elon is one of the top, if not the top one. So I think it also shows you how much Vivek is understanding the importance of freedom of speech, new social media technologies. And I think that's another good sign, so to say. Now, without further ado, Vivek does say before the clip, he says, quote, I respect Trump and give him full credit for being a strong leader who is willing to listen to the right ideas, unquote, American flag emoji. And without further ado, play this quick clip uh, of Trump. And this I do for Vivek, because he's very big into it. I happen to agree with him, but he said, could you mention this? I will never. He said, I love Vivek. We, I love him too now. I didn't love him when he was running, but I like him now. It's amazing the way you can like somebody when you win, right? But Vivek is great. He's really great. But he wanted this, and I'll give him full credit for it. It's very important, actually. I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. And that's perhaps one of the most important things that could affect everyone going into the upcoming years. Giving the government unprecedented, unparalleled control to just 
turn off your ability to spend money or buy anything or make a living. That's saying having a social credit score. There's a exponentially more downside to giving the government that type of power as opposed to any upside, I would argue. And again, statistically speaking, this is I wrote down these facts after 48 hours after this is posted. This got 2.6 million views and 58,000 likes. So even though Vivek is no longer running for the Republic nominee, he's obviously helping Trump out a lot. He's actually has the same or more likes, views, and comments on all these videos. As, as opposed to the other Republican nominees who have kind of faded into existence. I think Chris Christie... I mean, statistically speaking, he's probably just eating somewhere. But you really don't see him much on social media anymore. Although perhaps he'll get an appointment maybe in the Democratic Party soon. Allegedly. Now, going to the comments, and again, I think this is especially on point. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a minority of this thought. Let's go in the comments and find out. Paul Zuzupa says, quote, President Trump is open to great ideas, and Vivek's idea of banning CBDC was great. I can foresee a very strong partnership between Vivek and Trump. That gives me hope. I hope gentlemen will continue to work together to save America. Unquote, getting 299 likes. Let's see here. America First replied, America First, American flag emoji as well. And it was a, looks like a campaign picture. Trump Vivek, Make America Great Again, 2024. They got 295 likes. Marjorie Taylor Greene press release parody account says, quote, Donald Trump is the only person that could take out, take us out of this mess. I, I hope we can make it in November, unquote, getting 160 likes. Elijah Bloom, Bloom? Is it really Elijah? Nevertheless, he says, quote, best president VP team in history. Next four years are going to be incredible, unquote, getting 181 likes. Donut Operator said, quote, he didn't have to be such a dick about it, unquote, getting 709 likes. I thought that was, I don't know, perhaps this person is interpreting Trump's statement as pejorative? I don't know. I Let me know in the comments if you think differently. I thought it was pretty positive overall. I don't know. Let me know. It'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say, but I thought it was, let me see here, pretty positive. Big Brains Politics says, quote, Vivek, it's now your duty to once in a while whisper into Trump's ear, sir, the FBI needs to be dismantled or serious reform, not a beautiful new huge building, unquote. Got 94 likes. Deepak says, Trump and you are the new hope America needs, unquote. That got a couple hundred likes. Let's see here. Thermonuclear MAGA says, quote, getting good counsel helps to make a wise leader, unquote, getting 12 likes. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people are interpreting this and seeing this as Trump having growth or a lot of people saying, you know, glad he's open to suggestion. And again, I think... A lot of people are saying, you know, Donald Trump is growing as a person in this regard. I think, I think the more credit he gives to Vivek, I think, and other of his advisors they surrounding himself with, I think the more political success he's going to have. And again, I think this is definitely going to help Trump out. Because again, this, I think Vivek brings a lot of these newer ideas to Trump that he might not be familiar with or he doesn't see as a big issue. And again, we all have our personal blinders on in some categories. We just don't realize things. That's why I always... You know, two pairs of eyes are better than one. A bit more perspectives, the better. So it'll be interesting to see as Trump continues his campaign, you know, how much can this help continue to boost his numbers? And let me know in the comments if you think this is just going to continue. I was going to say, I also suspect this will, you know, continue to fuel the rumor that maybe Vivek is going to be the VP. <coughs> Excuse me. But let me know in the comments if you're fascinated here what you have to say. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford to recall about 1.9 million Ford Explorer SUVs due to trim possibly falling off and maybe causing accidents. Not great. Now, this is Ford continues to have more recalls than I could possibly fathom. You, you could actually make a whole podcast around that one category. I don't know, I'm not sure how interesting it would be, but there's a lot of content to work with, to say the least. Now, this comes to us thanks to CBS News, specifically Elizabeth uh, Nepaloni, and they she noted that the recall will, ex will cover explorers from 2011 to 2019 model years. Now, they note that the recall concerns an A-pillar retention clips that hold the trim that covers the vehicle's roof supports by the windshield. A A-pillar trim retention clips may not be properly engaged, allowing the trim to detach, unquote, 
Mass Farming Forward Motors stated in notification that is sent to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration acknowledging the recall. Flying parts could increase the risk of a crash, the agency said, both for the vehicle, driver, and the others on the road. Uh, looks like Ford recall comes after a year after the National Highway Traffic Association first announced its investigation into the sports utilities vehicles after receiving 164 complaints about trim pieces detaching on 2011 to 2019 Explorer SUVs. Now, the silver lining of the situation is, and of course, I always like to tell people, if you squint hard enough in life, you'll find a silver lining or maybe a, maybe a Cracker Jack prize, some might say. Nevertheless, the good news is that there are no reports of any crashes or injuries related to the loose parts at this time. So not only good for you know litigation lawsuits and the shareholders, but also good morally. It always looks exponentially worse terribly and is terribly if there actually have been injuries or have been actually deaths from actual recall. Now, this hasn't gotten to that point and given the nature of the specific mechanical failure, I don't suspect it would lead to any, but again, you wanna get ahead of these situations and recall them before it could happen. Now, they noted that Ford encourages owners of the recall vehicles to contact dealers for an inspection where the parts will be available. Ford dealers will inspect and replace the A-pillar trim for free if needed, according to the recall. Now, they also know that car owners will receive a letter about the safety risk after March 13th, 2024, and a second letter will follow them when the remedy is available. Or you just tune in on this podcast instead of snail mail and relying on the U.S. Postal Service, heaven forbid. Now, they also noted that if you, again, if you're specifically may be affected, you call in and they'll run to their actual vehicle identification number or your VIN number. And unfortunately, if you are one of those folks, you can call this number. They note that Ford customer service is 1-866-436-7332. And Ford's model or Ford number for this recall is 24S02. So again, if you own one of those vehicles that may be affected, call 1-866-437-7332. And the recall for number for this is 24S02. Or you can call the National Highway Traffic Association, which is 1-888-327-4236. Again, NHTSA is 1-888-327-4236. So it'll be interesting to see Again, I'm not sure what, again, this one of those instances where a vehicle is the most complex, second most expensive thing most Americans will ever buy in their lifetime. I understand it's hard to do quality testing when there are so many components and many of which you don't manufacture in-house. You work with a myriad of suppliers and sub-suppliers. It's a complex thing, don't get me wrong. I understand that. But there's so many recalls. I almost wonder what is their durability test for these vehicles or these suppliers for the sub-components? I mean, this seems like either the clip was not specced properly. And again, if it's just off by a fraction of a millimeter, over time it could shake loose. I mean, again, there are a lot of variables. But again, they just, I don't know what it's going to take, but whatever they're doing for quality assurance for these vehicles, just double the time or double the resources or double the wheel time or AKA the amount of time a test driver is behind the wheel or an actual machine inside of the vehicle so they can get to more of these failure points and fix them prior to because again, every time there's a recall, not only just this is going to cost Ford money. Now, granted, it sounds like it's a, just a little clip. So, fiscally speaking, it might not even be five dollars per unit. Now, in aggregate, that adds up, and also, dealers don't necessarily like this, and there's not very it's not profitable for the dealers in most cases. They're just paid a minimum amount by Ford Motor Company. It's not good for the shareholders because that's it's not just the cost of the opponent, but also the cost to install it. Because again, the consumer does not have to pay for it. So the upside is if you're a consumer, this not this isn't gonna hurt your pocketbook. The company is paying for this. But again, it hurts the brand reputation and Ford is supposed to be, you know, I don't know if it's not a coincidence, but they don't, they used to have the commercials called Ford Tough. And that used to be the whole shtick about the company. And you have all these recalls that just chisel away at the brand you're trying to build. And they stopped making cars to try to focus more on SUVs and trucks because one, they're more profitable. Two, it's what they were selling most by number of units sold as well. And they're supposed to be more durable. And I would think if you have less vehicles you're selling and manufacturing, you're focusing on less product lines, you should be able to put more quality assurance into them. And again, the consumer perception is, well, this is, again, thankfully it's not a mechanical failure, it's not an engine failure, it's not gonna grenade the car, so to say, where a subcomponent of the engine breaks and causes the whole engine to catastrophically fail. Again, there's silver linings, but at the end of the day, Having a recall that tarnishes your brand, makes it's a frustration thing for the consumers to have to go to the dealership and spend time and energy to do that. 
I gotta say that is certainly the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone again for taking the time to tune in today. Again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of January. So if you click that button, I greatly appreciate it. Also leaving a thumbs up, a thumbs down or a comment is a great way to give me some additional comments and additional feedback on how I can make the show better and better. Also, and lastly, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe, fight the good fight.